0: Bye. welcome to the July 28th, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Duzutti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the proposed Colfax Avenue bus transit line presented by Denver transportation officials on Tuesday. If the necessary funding is approved through the Go Bond initiative vote in November, a 24-hour dedicated center lane would run along Colfax, decreasing the lanes to be used by cars. And that funding from the initiative is a big portion of it, but there's a lot to go with here. Patty Calhoun from Westward, it seems like an innovative idea for Colfax, but does Colfax need this kind of innovation?
1: Well, Denver needs that kind of innovation if we're really going to have people take public transit because that's a longer line. used to be an old streetcar line. There are a lot of people who commute by that. They leave their cars behind, but the question is, can we do it without making traffic worse? How do you get people to and from the center lane? How do you make sure the buses don't squish into each other? We have several other issues to find out here.
0: David Kopel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. The whole idea of rapid bus transit, and I realize that that this isn't exactly that, uh, has been something that the Independence Institute has advocated a long time in different scenarios. So I I understand this is different, but does this uh, seem like a good idea based on the whole idea of rapid bus transit?
2: The concept may be fine, but you've got to look at who's going to be implementing it. Mayor Hancock is the anti-mobility mayor. Patty talked about, well, would this cause more traffic? That's the point. He's doing everything he can to increase traffic problems in the city of Denver. If you like traffic jams, he's your man. Back when RTD was being approved by the voters in the 70s, the promise was, if you vote for this, we're going to have a monorail running down Colfax. Uh, Remember all the lies they told about light rail and how fast that was going to get built, all that kind of stuff. There is no reason at all to trust the Denver or our government or RTD to implement a new uh, project like this competently or at all.
0: Joey Bunch, reporter with ColoradoPolitics.com. Uh, this, it won't be the centerpiece, but it'll be a big chunk of that big Go Bond initiative. And Denverites have traditionally been pretty generous when it comes to bond maneuvers, but this is something where people can have a pretty distinct opinion. If they like something on Colfax or it's the heart of the city, there's a, there's a lot of emotions there. How do you think Denverites are going to react to this proposal?
3: Well, I think when they first hear it, they're going to like it because anybody that's ever been in that right lane and been stuck behind a bus would love to make that thing disappear so that they can go on. But we're taking a lane out of traffic or we're adding more lanes to traffic. It's the right problem and the wrong solution. We'll be in traffic jams for three or four years while they're building this thing. So, you know, it, on, on, on first blush, I say, yeah, let's get those buses out of the way. On second blush, I say, well, where are we going to put them and how are we going to pay for them? I don't know. I believe it when I see it, I don't, I don't, but I don't believe it right now.
0: Justine Sandoval rounds with the panel, political activist. Uh, you're a Denver native. Your family's Denver natives. What do you think the reaction is going to be to this kind of significant change to the heart of Denver?
4: Well, I was a longtime RTD user. I pretty much echo what everyone here had to say. I don't trust RTD because I've had lots of promises in the past with Light rail, with all of these other things, and it seems like they don't have a concept when it comes to budgeting and having a realistic budget projection. All of these projects tend to grow later on and they're struggling later to finance fast tracks is a good you know example there of that so while it sounds like a great idea and I would love to do really innovative things to make public transportation better are people going to use it Uh, is it going to be worth the cost and really are we going to be willing to sit in the traffic jam that's going to be be on Colfax for the years that it takes to build this project
0: Let's get to it. The U.S. Senate went into overtime late on Thursday night to decide the fate of what was called the skinny repeal of Obamacare. Senator John McCain joined two other GOP senators to vote against the measure, sending it to defeat. Colorado Republican Senator Cory Gardner voted in favor of the failed plan. Patty, I've got to say, this is one of the most interesting seasons of reality TV I've ever seen. I, I love the characters. They're adding new drama. It's, it's very entertaining. Your thoughts of McCain the Maverick making his uh, appearance late last night?
1: Well, it's a shame that the reality show isn't set in the Big Brother house as opposed to, say, the White House. I, this is the, This is our federal government at work. But if you're talking about an amazing twist in reality, so Donald Trump, when he was a candidate, talked about how John McCain was no hero because he'd let himself be be a prisoner. Well, it was John McCain who held the White House hostage last night when he stood up and was one of three Republican senators who voted against this, and he proved he was a hero that night. It wasn't like they were. he was turning down a great bill. The fact is, the skinny repeal had nothing in it. It didn't have any solutions. It didn't have any fixes for Obamacare. It was just getting rid of it. They hadn't, in seven years, come up with a plan that was worth voting on. So good for him. Not a huge surprise that Cory Gardner didn't vote against it. I mean, every other Republican senator, except for those three, voted for it. So. It would have been nice if he would listened more to his constituents, but it was no surprise that he didn't.
0: David, how will Republicans remember this with John McCain? Because I think Patty makes a good point about this bill wasn't, uh, you know, the, the this great package they spent years in making, it wasn't hailed as you know, the, the great big repeal of Obamacare promise for seven years. So it may go back to the drawing board and come up with something actually far better. But it seems to have taken away a, a possibility, at least for the rest of this year, for Republicans to say they kept a promise. Is John McCain Emmy number 1 right now in the GOP? Well,
2: for the people in the Trump cult, they may think that, but they would do better to uh, look at the, the dear leader. Uh, one of the reasons that President Obama was able to get uh, Obamacare passed, certainly built on a foundation of lies and, and accounting tricks, but he got it passed because he went out and he, campaigned for it, and he sold it to the public, and he was giving speeches and had a a strong, albeit totally false, message. If you'd like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. you like your plan, you can keep your plan. But he went out and and he worked at it. And what has Donald Trump been doing to try to, to convince the American people? Granted that he doesn't know much about any of the substance of this, but he could have been out there saying at least simple things which were clearly true, like all these bogus figures about how many people are going to lose coverage uh, under any of the the various uh, alternatives. Three-quarters of them were simply people who would, once you get rid of the individual mandate, stop buying lousy overpriced insurance they don't want. Um, But instead, Mr. is... Peggy Noonan said in the Wall Street Journal, "Woody Allen without the humor, narcissistic, self-indulgent, childish, all his White House intrigue, no communication strategy other than to trash each other. Um, if he were a competent president, he could have gotten, he could have communicated effectively enough with the American people so that the Senate could have passed something."
0: Joey, when I look at uh, Corey Gardner's position, uh, Patty made a good point about. There weren't a whole lot of Republicans who were going to vote no on this. But he kind of gets to have his cake and eat it, too. He votes yes, so he goes, hey, I, I voted for a repeal of Obamacare. But it loses, so it doesn't necessarily, at least at this point, get stuck to him as a policy that he has to defend. Uh, do you think that is the situation, or am I reading it wrong?
3: Well, no, I think you're reading the situation absolutely correct in the moment. But Cory doesn't run again until 2020, and a lot of things can still happen between then and now. I'm just a little bit stunned by all this, because Republicans have had seven years to come up with a plan, and it it acts like they're drawing it up in the dirt starting last week. And I agree with what Dave said. You know, where's Trump on this? This is Trump's signature problem. Well, problem and promise that, uh, you know, he told us he was going to do this. He told us he was going to build a wall, but it looks like that wall is going to get built before Republicans can pass a health care plan. But maybe we've seen politically, and maybe they've seen in Washington, we'll see, that, they can't afford a new car, so maybe let's fix the car that we have and make do with it. So we'll see. I don't think Corey's going to pay a price. Cory's been really good, as has Mike Kaufman been, of embracing Trump when he needs to embrace general Republican values and distancing themselves from the man. And if things go forward in the direction that they continue to go forward, you know, they're going to be pioneers because I think a lot of people are going to be distancing themselves from Trump between now and next year's midterm election.
0: Justine, after the vote was made, uh, a speech by Mitch McConnell said that, you know, he thought the people on the other side of the aisle would be celebrating. And then when Chuck Schumer began to talk, he said, we're not celebrating, but we are relieved. Democrats in Colorado, as they see this issue, they've been fighting for a while, are they celebrating or are they relieved?
4: I think it's relief, definitely. There, the idea of just the skinny repeal taking away and going back to what we came for before the ACA is not where we need to go. Are there problems with the ACA? Definitely. And there needs to be talk and there needs to be uh, bipartisanship working together to build something better for the American people. So I think it's definitely relief. Um, we have more time and maybe by some miracle, so we'll work together and work to make this um, a better bill for a lot of people and fixing up the health care issue. But um, I don't think it's, it's, cel- it's celebration. It's definitely a relief for us.
0: In a series of tweets on Wednesday, President Donald Trump banned, quote, transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. While GOP Representative Doug Lamborn praised Trump's decision, fellow Republicans in Colorado Ken Buck and Mike Kaufman criticized the decision. Meanwhile, Aurora Police Chief Nick Metz, taking advantage of the opportunity, invited members of the trans community to join its department in a statement via Twitter. David, we have a situation here where you have something announced on Twitter, which we've already established as an official announcement from the president, but his own Joint Chiefs of Staff saying, we're not doing anything, no change is going to happen until we get an official order from uh, uh, Secretary Mattis. And you also saw other Republicans come out against the idea. Kaufman and Buck were not alone in being Republicans being against the idea. Do you think there's a possibility that Trump retracts or never issues the <laughs> official order seeing the reaction?
2: Uh, very possible, and or- Orrin Hatch, who has not over the years been a, a gay rights leader, also criticized the the president's decision. Then uh, the way the way it would, if you can call it a decision, Donald Trump is always saying how much he loves the military, loves the people in uniform, respects them so much, all all that, and you know it, it seems to be sincere when he's saying that. But you got to follow through on that and so uh, according to the the data there's maybe between one and six thousand transgender people currently in the military well who have obviously and they're there because they volunteered so whatever you're going to do on the policy you should explain it in a coherent way, so because these people are now wondering, am am I going to get kicked out of the military? Are they going to reverse the standard? They let me in under one standard, now they're going to kick me out on another one. So he he could have said maybe this is a policy we're we're going to have going forward, but it's not going to change for people who are currently enlisted. But there was no coherence. There's there's no there there. The, The purpose of this was not really to affect the personnel policies of the United States Army, which is what a good commander-in-chief would be concerned about. It was about changing the conversation, dominating the day on Twitter, all the news talking about it, which they liked. You know, they think it can be a wedge issue in the in the Rust Belt states. And it, it, it probably, on the, the broader issue, probably is a, a winning issue uh, for Trump based on the opinion polls. But again, how about couldn't he have spent the day, instead of this kerfluffle? trying to sell some health care plan. Uh, Again, he is, whatever else you can say about him, whether you agree or disagree with his policies, he's incompetent.
0: (laughs) Joey, uh, with uh, Mike Kaufman being... uh, a, in a tough district, uh, B, a Marine, his reaction did not surprise me. But when I first saw Ken Buck's uh, reaction, I was a little surprised until I saw more about his past professional record and what he had done as D.A. in Weld County. In uh, lightness of what you think about the reactions from the uh, various Colorado Republicans. You have Kaufman, you have Buck, and you have Lamborn. I don't mm-hmm. know what Tipton said.
3: <laughs> well, you know, it depends on who you're talking to. You know, my first reaction was why? Why are we even talking about this? I didn't know this was an issue at all. But it depends on what base you're talking, or what constituency you're talking to. For Ken Lam- uh, Ken Buck and Doug Lamborn, they're talking to a red meat Republican constituency that would like this. But you know, I'm lucky enough to be friends with a lot of uh, millennial Republicans. And this gay rights issue, you know, they're ready for it to be in the past. Gay rights and abortion is just not where Republicans under 35 are anymore religious liberty to a degree but I think the more that the Republican Party stays mired in the politics of the past, the more they squander the generation and drive them and turn good conservatives into good moderates. So I think that's the price people pay. Ken Buck makes no secret about where he stands on the president. Doug Lamborn sure doesn't make any, any secrets about it. But does Doug Lamborn, with all those military installations in his district, is he hearing from military people that are uh, that are saying that they— that we need this. I haven't seen that the last few days. So, who is Trump and who is Ken Buck and who are, are, are Doug Lamborn talking to? They're talking to the past.
0: Justine, I have to admit that this seemed like a standard uh, art of the deal distraction. Rush was all the headlines. It gets knocked off the headlines with this. It's all about transgender military, which was not on anyone's radar until it happened with a tweet. Uh, Is this actual policy that's going to be changing a big argument, or is this distraction?
4: Definitely distraction. Um, You have the health care, the biggest promise of Trump failing, and uh, the repeal and replace failing. And then you know, it, this is just another one of those moments. This is an issue that feeds to his people, to his base, the people show up at rallies that would definitely get behind this in a time when he probably needs a boost right now. And so it was totally out of left field, not an issue we are talking about. I would have to say this is definitely another distraction from the White House to look away from the craziness of Russia, health care, the list goes on and on and on.
0: Patty, what did you think of the reactions from the uh, Republicans in Colorado? We had the, the, the three ones we mentioned, uh, Kaufman, Buck, and then uh, Lamborn.
1: Pretty much what you'd expect. What no one expected was this tweet to come out. There's no motivation. It wasn't as though some person leading a platoon suddenly had to run aside and have a sex change operation. It's, there was nothing pushing this. And I wish I thought that Trump actually had thought it through, like, oh, this will distract people. But I'm afraid he doesn't even have that much thinking in his head. I think it's just an impulse. He's suddenly like, whoa, this is a weird thing. Let's put it out there. He he wasn't paying attention to the health care. He wasn't thinking this will take people's attention off Russia. And when you look at some of the people who've served in the military, so already they're showing their courage. They're volunteering to go serve in a war. It takes courage to come out and say, we are transgender, too. We just did an interview with a former, a former Marine, was in the service, 20 years, transgender, came out living in Castle Rock. And what this means to someone who served their country like this, it's outrageous.
0: Denver City Council members Robin Kenich and Paul Lopez proposed an ordinance last week that would stop much of the cooperation between the Sheriff's Department and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The ordinance includes halting the practice of informing ICE when an immigration detainee is leaving the jail, among other related practices. Joey, this puts into law that is already kind of accepted practice. But should Denver be putting these practices into law and putting a spotlight on itself?
3: No, no. I would say the same thing to the um, to the ideologues on the left that I say to the. To the ideologues on the right, there are people in the middle who are scared. You know why poke the bear? You know, in the last legislative session, we had a bill to arrest public officials if they supported sanctuary city policies. That bill was never going to pass. This one, yeah, in Denver, it might pass. But the more you poke the bear, the more that you make this an issue on the statewide level, the more it's going to gain traction in the next legislation, legislative session. The more it's going to gain traction in the media, and the people in the middle who don't understand that this is just politics, are frightened. And I'd like to tell both sides to start frightening people with political saber-rattling.
0: Justine, let's go to that point. Is Denver looking for a fight, making this a law? Should they just let it be? Because it is already the practice of what, how the Sheriff's Department deals with
4: ICE. You know, this situation's difficult. I think what I want to say is, like, where is the humanity in a lot of people? Uh, we need to look at the situation where these are, these are lives, these are humans, And if they're breaking the law to the extent that they need to get out of the country, then that's an issue. But a lot of these people are there for traffic issues, for everyday things that happen. And, you know, like Joey said, we're scaring people in the middle. And that's what we need to really look at. Do we need to fix the immigration issue? Definitely we need to have a different policy. We need immigration reform. But it needs to be humane. Where the U.S., we can do better than just ambushing people, rounding them up at the courthouse. We need a better system. We need to do better as humans, as Americans in this situation.
0: Patty, the proposed law would only affect um, folks who are not there for a violent crime or past felonies or terrorism. So assuming the, 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 the kind of collective sense of the real bad guys, bad people would still be held to a, a different standard. But is this the right move for the Denver City Council?
1: Well, the proposed ordinance does fit within federal law. The problem right now is it would box in the city of Denver, which is trying to walk a very fine line, because no one has a good definition of what a sanctuary city is, except for maybe Jeff Sessions. And the thing is, if you wait a few weeks, who knows where he'll be? You know, he could be, well, he may not be D A G. So anyway, for the city to do it now, they could postpone it a little longer, because Denver is trying to walk a very fine line right now to be fair.
0: David, wrap it up for us. What do you think the pro- of the proposal should the City Council pass it?
2: Jeff Sessions will be as one of the most secure jobs in Washington, D.C. right now. And if you got a bet about who's going to stay in office longer, Donald Trump or Jeff Sessions, there might be a value to take that, the bet on Sessions. Um, I. My understanding is this proposal is, is not just ratifying current practice but it would go it would go further um, and it would clearly take denver it was kind of in a gray area right now well over the line into being affirmatively a sanctuary city under the Department of Justice definition. there are federal grant programs which are conditional on not being sanctuary cities so if the Denver City Council wants to give up that grant money, they certainly can you know the 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 Department of Justice can't order the Denver Sheriff's Department how to do its job, but at the same time the De- Department of Justice doesn't have to give money to local law enforcement agencies which are not cooperating federally. So if, if you don't want the money, uh, fine.
0: Let's get a quick take on this last one. The Denver City Council delayed a vote on the controversial Overland Golf Course Music Festival this week, noting that they need more time to review the contract prior to making a decision on the concert, expected to drop to 80,000 people. Justine, we're doing a quick take on this one. 80,000 people to a relatively quiet part of Denver. Uh, should this be under some tighter? the contract be under some tighter scrutiny?
4: This is a weird issue that's been going on for a long time that I kind of care and don't care about. <laughs> at the same time, the golf thing, depending on who's at the music, festival. They don't even know who is going to be at this festival. The contract's a 92-page long contract with some numbers that I really can't figure out how it's going to be a benefit to the city. So, I mean, it's a really interesting concept bringing this whole music festival thing to this golf course. I really don't know how it's going to play out. This is a situation where somebody's going to be unhappy. No one's going to be completely happy about the situation, whether it be the golfers, the residents, or concert goers. So this is one of those weird things, and I know that city council delayed the vote, so we'll see how this all works out. Um, It'll be interesting to see if it goes forward and see the impact of a huge music festival in that neighborhood.
0: Patty, Westford had a great piece about this. What are your thoughts on the pending concert?
1: Well, there are a lot of difficulties to work out. You might remember that the city didn't allow a music festival in city park, which is much more capable of dealing with 80,000 people showing up. Overland is a very small, hard-to-get-to neighborhood. They're talking about a no-car event, so I guess they're going to have the buses come straight from Colfax down to the Overland neighborhood. There's some real issues that are going to have to be worked out. I don't think the golf is the issue. It's what 80,000 people in that neighborhood do, and what does the city get out of it?
0: David, uh, your quick take on this.
2: It's a good idea in general to have large events because many people enjoy them, even if other people don't. Um, And it helps also the city pay for the the maintenance operation of the parks. But Patty points out some some serious problems, and and RTD wouldn't ever run the extra buses. They don't do that for the 4th of July after the... they're totally clueless that after the 4th of July fireworks at Folsom Field, more people are going to be taking the bus. Or likewise, after the, the City Lights Parade in Denver. They, they need to get a subscription to the Westward and find out which events are coming up because uh, they don't
0: schedule extra buses to match needs. We're free. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> Joey, wrap it up for us. Uh, Jolin Clark, this is his district. Is he in the hot seat here?
3: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, he has to answer to the people who live in that district and, you know, their voters, that this could cost him the election. And, you know, we just don't know enough about this concert to, uh, you know, I sympathize with, and trust me, I'm a rock and roller, as long as we can rock and roll before the 10 o'clock news. But, you know, it's a much different proposition if we're talking about you know insane clown posse and a whole bunch of those crazy teenagers or if we're talking about donnie and marie you know i think the people in the neighborhood would be okay with donnie and marie so you know if 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 you're trying to do what's right and it's good for the city and good for the uh good for the neighborhood then give us more details
0: is it going to be a little little more country or a little more rock and roll we'll need (laughs) to find out let's get (laughs) let's get to our favorite part of the show disgrace of the week miss calhoun please start us off
1: I'm going to return to making policy by tweet. You hope there's a lock on the red phone in the presidential um, bedroom because the fact that our president can pick up his his smartphone and change policy, throw an entire population into a frenzy, is not good politics.
0: David,
2: the uh, IT guy who Debbie Wasserman Schultz hired and who ended up working for 80 Democratic Congresspeople, including. Representative Diana DeGette, and who had complete access to everything in the House Foreign Relations Committee, was arrested a few days ago while trying to flee to Pakistan. He was an obvious security risk, took $100,000 from an Iranian-Iraqi guy linked to terrorist financing, among many other things. Astonishing uh, that Ms. Schultz uh, kept him on, on the payroll up until the day before he got arrested. Joey.
3: We are double teaming Anthony Scaramucci today, <laughs> uh, the president's new uh, director of communications. My, I take exception with him for his appearance with Chris Como the other morning, where he said uh, he quoted uh, Ed Koch and said that I don't give the cancer, I uh, I don't get the cancer, I give the cancer. Well, that's not what Koch said. He said I don't get ulcers, I give ulcers. Very poor choice of words. And then the second time he used it, he said heart attack, which Ed Koch died of a heart attack. So. I, thumbs down on his choice of words for a man who the country's paying to be a communicator.
0: Justine?
4: I'm also going to have to disgrace the mooch, Scaramucci, this week for possibly being the worst PR person from the White House or the world in history.
0: Well, let's get to our, favorite, our second favorite part of the show, say something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty?
1: Happy Colorado Day on August 1st. Aren't we glad we're here rather than Washington, D.C.?
0: Here, here.
2: A month ago, You might have said, boy, things can't get any crazier and stupider, and they did. So appreciate this week for what it is because I think we've got a long way to go in more craziness
0: and even greater stupidity. At some point we're going to look at July 2017 and say, the good old days (laughs) when everything was simple. Joey.
3: I'm a big fan of political courage, so I'm giving that award to Senator Ray Scott from Grand Junction for raising the idea of putting taxes on bicycles. It's not very often that we hear a Republican talk about a tax increase, but let's have that conversation. That's all Ray's talking about.
0: Justine.
4: And I, um, something nice lawmakers with the Navajo Nation just purchased a large ranch in uh, south central Colorado, and it's going to be used for conservation and preserving sacred land.
0: That is all the time we had tonight. Thanks for tuning in. As always, be sure to check out our CIO Post Game segment on Twitter and Facebook. And for everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.